Hello, Heal community. For the first time in nearly a year, I'm opening my practice back up to the general public. I'm actively looking for 10 new qualified clients committed to reversing their illness or health concerns and powerfully taking on their journey to heal. If you're interested in finding out more, go to my website and schedule a free 25-minute phone call. We will discuss what you're dealing with and be sure we are the best fit for each other. Remember, I specifically have expertise in autoimmunity, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, mold illnesses, hormones, and insomnia, but can treat much more. Looking forward to connecting with you. Welcome to Heal. I'm Kendra Vicken, and I'm normally your producer, but today I'm stepping in front of the mic once again to interview Dr. Sarah Marshall as we bring season five to a close. We're gonna talk about whether or not you can ever be truly healed, what the phases of healing actually look like, and how to take those steps if you're ready. Here's Dr. Sarah Marshall. Should we get started? Yeah, let's get started. It's we're at another episode 13. Our fifth episode 13, which that sounds funny. That's you know, leave it to me to create a weird way of tracking these, but you know. Wrapping up five seasons, it's been about two years of us doing this together. The podcast hasn't been live that long, but since we started this conversation and started planning and since Heal was kind of born behind the scenes. Yeah. Episode 65. That's a better way of putting it or a different way of putting it. Episode 65. Now I didn't know in the beginning at all. I really was like, okay, I'm going to just commit to an episode a week, you know, 52 episodes. I could get my head wrapped around that, but I really, even that seemed like crazy. Now we're at 65. So I think we have to go to hundred, like at least we're going to have, yeah, we got it. We got it. I mean, it's a nice round number, right? (laughs) So now I'm, I'm promising to hundred and then I don't know after that. So (laughs) then we'll see, we'll see how it goes from there. But this has been, you know, a good season at the time that we're recording this, we've recorded 10 of the 12 other episodes. So yeah, we still have two more in store that, that I'm sure will be just as amazing as the first 10, but there's some great content this, this season. Any yeah. moments stand out for you? Oh my gosh, like all of them, but you know, I, I just get so connected to, and I love where, I mean, I've had guests of the people I don't know. I mean, Denise Bosart, I didn't know her at all. And she actually found the podcast and then emailed me and, and said, Hey, I, published this book recently on, you know, healing from sexual abuse. And I really committed to sharing the possibilities for people. And I got on an interview pre-call with her and just, we hit it off immediately. And that was super exciting. And what a, it was far more of a how-to guide episode than I expected it to be, which was great for such an intense topic about healing trauma like that. And it was really good reminders for me. I mean, just even what she shared about how integral yoga, I mean, she started doing yoga just because someone said, oh, it's good for expecting moms. And she was expecting, and she's like, okay, I should do yoga to make sure that this goes well. But then what she got out of a transformation of her relationship to her body and her sexuality, like that was just, that was really good reminder for me of like the depth and the quality that's in it. So that was pretty neat. And then getting to really connect with some like old friends. I mean, Dr. Larry Farwell, who talked about the science of miracles and he's an expert in quantum mechanics quantum physics is the way i say that he says quantum mechanics same same phd in neuroscience i mean just literally genius level 
we met because he subletted my apartment when I was away for a summer in 2012. And I had no clue the breadth and depth of this genius that was sleeping in my bed while I was traveling. (laughs) And yet we've stayed connected all these years. And, you know, that was, I'm just love. There was so much more I wanted, I want to go in the future with Larry about getting into that conversation of what is scientific and what's not and how much we actually, in our day-to-day experience, we think things are scientific that aren't, as in backed up by science and research. And mm-hmm. we don't think, we think other things are non-scientific that are, like yeah. homeopathy and acupuncture and a lot of my medicinal modalities that I you know, promote. So yeah, that was pretty killer. And then Eric Watson sharing about veterans and his stand for healing veterans oh, and his own experience of, of what being trained in the military did for him in a very positive way. And also what he had to manage in his marriage and his relationship and being mm-hmm. a man and how to rediscover a healthy alpha masculinity now later yeah. in life and, and cannabis finally. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the finally is my own fear. Like I, it was, you know, Ingrid Chapman and I have been connected for several years and, you know, she's the first person I ever met that called herself a cannabis coach. And that really actually made a difference for me. I've learned so much from Ingrid and she helped me personally reshape my relationship to medical marijuana. And as a, as a practitioner, I mean, I don't prescribe it. I can't prescribe it, but I have clients who come to me and ask me questions about it. And it's definitely a very big topic in the world. And I often, you know, help people figure out how to navigate that. And I had my own, just being a baby of the eighties in the, you know, Ronald Reagan years of the war on drugs. Like I had a lot of inherited propaganda that wasn't based in science, speaking of which wasn't based (laughs) in medicine and research. And so that's been an episode since the beginning, you and I have said, I've wanted to do an episode on medical marijuana and I've been scared to broach that topic because it gets people, but it was really good. Don't worry. Yeah, those were, you mentioned some of my favorite episodes too. Eric Watson's episode was really interesting because my dad's a veteran and he struggles with PTSD. And so by the time this episode's out, people will have already heard Eric's episode, obviously, but at the time we're recording it, it hasn't come out yet. And I keep bugging my dad every time I'm like working on editing it or pulling together the audio clips for the social media promo posts. You know, I just keep bugging my dad. I'm like, put it on your calendar because you're going to want to listen to this one when it comes out. You're really going to like it. And I just kind of keep hounding him about that one. And it was the same thing with Ingrid's episode on cannabis because medical cannabis is something that, that as, as we've talked about, my husband's a big proponent for, but he didn't even realize that that was like a a career option. So he's been like looking up the school she went to here. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) He like signed up for the free, they do like one free class from the school. So you can kind of get like a taste for it. So he like signed up for the free class and he, he was really excited about it. And it's, yeah, this whole season's been super, super fun. And there's definitely like something in it for everybody. And I love that. I mean, that's every season because there's such a range of topic and persona and things like that. I don't know how we're going to do this. Cause like, it's so easy to have it be like, Oh, you know, well, season one was so long ago and behind us. Part of me is like, we could just, I'm not going to, don't worry, but we could just stop and then like continue to have 
you know, promote people to go back because there's so much good content all the way back in each individual story and topic and, you know, but, but then I get excited. There's like things I'm super stoked. I already have people lined up for season six and getting to get into more about healing hormones and sexual identity Mm -hmm. and libido. I've sex is a whole world of healing. And I have actually had several people who are tantric practitioners and, or work in sacred sexuality. And I know you guys, I keep promising you this episode, but I've been keep working on, cause there's a woman, I'm not going to get into the details because it may not pan out, but you know, this would be up there in one of my dream guests to have on the show. And she's just been crazy busy and it hasn't risen back up to, you know, I always trust right time as well, like how this all works out, but it, as a whole, that's an area I really want to, want to pull more into is healing Mm -hmm. our sexuality and our relationship to sex and how sex can be healing. So lots of cool things to come as well. Ha, sorry. I didn't, (laughs) I honest to God didn't mean to do that, but it's too late. I did. Um, The nice part is you said, go back and watch stuff is there's going to be a little break. There's a little break after this episode. And, you know, I'm sure we will have announced that by the time this comes out, or maybe this is the announcement, but there will be a little break between this season and season six. Yeah. We're taking All December uh, off. Yep. yep. And the second half of it's kind of, it's like two months. It's like the second half of November to the first half of January, just under two months. Yeah. So there's plenty of time for people that have missed some of those other episodes to go back and listen to them. And I do encourage you listeners to do that because each episode has some real, you know, good nuggets of, of truth, something that will resonate for you. Even if it doesn't seem like a topic that you relate to, usually there's a lot of like consistent life lessons that can be learned in all different ways and through all different situations. So, you know, this break will be a great time through the holidays and stuff to just catch up on old episodes. Yeah. Good plan. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So today's episode, you know, it's like in at the end of season three, our episode 13 was really in that sense of where do you start a healing journey? Like we haven't done a lot of how-to episodes, although there are components of how-tos in pretty much every episode now. But, uh, you know, that was the beginning of a conversation of like, okay, if someone's really going, this is resonating, this information, I'm hearing these amazing stories, but like, seriously, where do I start? What do I do? Which that was really awesome to do. But then there's something that I've been working on in my own way I share what I do in my business and my practice, where I've been noticing I hold back a little bit, well, a lot of bit maybe, on what's the end about? What's the destination? What's the goal of this? And so Kendra's going to help me (laughs) tease out that bigger picture and see where we can get to. When you sent me the notes for this topic about like, what does it mean to have healed? You know, what's the destination or the goal? It makes me think of the quote from earlier in this season where I'm trying to remember who said it and I'll find it, but she said, it's not like you can just get on the Audubon and drive 200 miles an hour to destination heal. It was Denise. Right? Like it's a journey. Yeah. Denise. Okay. It great. Was. Yep. And I think about that quote all the time because people do talk about that. Like if you're cured or not, right? Like that's, am, am I cured of this? Am I, and as we talk about, talk about that, you know, healing being more of a journey than a destination necessarily, it does beg the question, 
does it end? Where does it end? I'm sure it depends on like what you're healing, but how can you ever really get there? Is it a realistic goal? Well, I say yes. And, um, I'll create a little context around this there, you know, I've done a a lot of work. It's come up in many episodes with transformational education, particularly with a company called Landmark. They have the Landmark Forum, the Advanced Course, Self-Expression Leadership Program, and there's actually over 50 programs. And I have done many of them and I've also coached some of them and been involved. And and the reason I bring that up is because there was a distinction in Landmark's work. It's just a regular old word, but we really used it a lot in a particular context called what is your stand? What's a stand? And it's like, where are you standing? And, you know, it has a lot to do with what are you committed to and, and, and what matters to you? And what do you want? Like, why bother doing any of this, you know? And so for me, my commitment and my stand, and there's some of this is because I say so, and for no other reason. And some of this is from my own personal experience is that we can in fact heal anything and everything that it's possible now to pull from like, uh, Dr. Larry Farwell's conversation, it may not be probable, but it is possible. And how do we take an improbable event and make it more probable? And what are the actions that fulfill on that? But I really do believe stand and am committed for that we can heal anything. And I've, as we've done this inquiry over the last two years, which started with what does it even mean to heal? How do we do that? And what does that really look like? Like for real in life on the court, people who have healed, who are healing, what does that look like? So it does beg the question, can we ever be done? And this even came up in our very first episode ever with Molly Evans, where I asked her, are you done? After six years of her journey with topical steroid withdrawal 98% of her skin is healed and she doesn't have reactions physically yet. There's sometimes she does on her face in particular. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's really great. It couldn't be like on the back of my knee or something, you know, oh, it's on my not. face, <laughs> but you know, and, and there's another place we could look from, which is no, you're never done. The journey's never over human evolution. And, and like, yeah, but in this particular space, and I'm talking about physical illnesses and conditions and symptoms in our body. Yes, we can heal it as in it's gone. It no longer is impacting your life in a perceivable or imperceivable way. Cause there are some diseases that on a day-to-day experience, people may not necessarily even have a sense that something's going on, but then there are antibodies running around and wreaking havoc on your connective tissue, which is going to become a problem 10, 15 years, 20 years down the road. And so, you know, this then brings up a medical conversation, which is what is cure and what does it mean to cure? And, and we could look at this at different levels, like to fully heal and be at an end point. That means there's no symptoms. There's no day-to-day big or little impact of the disease on you. And then maybe there's levels of test results, microscopic evaluation, x-rays, MRIs, like my mentor, Dr. Tom, you know, he had a several patients who had MS 
and you could go in and you could do their scans on their nervous system and you would still see the placking. But in life, for years, they had no impact of MS in their living of life and their experience. And so that does beg the question, Wow, are we going to keep this person trapped inside of a conversation saying you have MS and this is what your life is like, or don't you? And then there's a whole rabbit hole we can go down, which is in conventional medicine, we really like to see things with our eyeballs. And if we see it, we think it's the source of disease. And this happens all the time in orthopedics, which is you have knee pain and we go scope it and we find a torn meniscus and then the assumption, and it really is an assumption is your knee pain is being caused by the torn meniscus. So then they go and they fix it and some people's pain goes away and some people's pain doesn't go away. So was it the meniscus? Or is there but they're never often never given any other explanation. It's like, oh, well, it hurts because I tore my meniscus. You know, like they still blame it even after that uh-huh. issue goes away without ever yeah. getting down to potentially finding a different root cause or yeah. or other issue. That's a you know, the holistic approach that that you and you know practitioners like you take is definitely one that I think is more encouraging, like we, like we kind of talked about when people hear that there's a possibility of healing. I feel like the, you know, westernized medicine industry really strays away from saying any version of healed or cured, you know, a lot of things they consider to be like dormant or like dealt with for the time being or in remission or what, you know, all that other language, but to hear about the possibility of healing is something that I'm sure a lot of people haven't even considered. And I'm not just talking about people with like major illnesses, like cancer. I'm talking about like people who just like live with back pain or like have stomach aches every day. And like they, they've never considered the possibility that like their life could not look like that. Their life could it be. so <laughs> becomes normal. It's so, I mean, it becomes yeah. the water we swim in. It becomes just like, you know, I, I mean, I, I have, I'm trying to see if I can pull this conversation together. I had a conversation with a client recently that he's uncovering by, by changing some of his lifestyle habits, like quitting alcohol and working on his diet and sleeping differently. Part of what that's doing, I mean, for sure, those things may be actually helping his body feel different, but actually for start, he feels worse. And what we're kind of getting to is there's a peeling off of other things that have been hiding what's underneath, but he's now we're starting to get to a place of reality what's really going on and what is his body really dealing with and and what had been there my interpretation and I would let him speak for himself but what I hear from him is there's been a lot of guilt there of well of course my body's breaking down because of the things that I've been doing but now that he's not doing those things or not doing them in the same way it actually is opening up the possibility to go well maybe I feel like crap because of that but maybe I feel like crap because there's actually something really here to look at And, and it's been interesting to like open that piece up and, and, and like you said, for people to even consider that it could be some other way that we really don't have to offer. And I know I've shared about this before, and it just so is worth repeating that in health, in our culture, we think about it like being a million dollars in debt is like a severe illness you know, and having a a significant chronic degenerative illness that's only going to 
get worse and worse and worse over time. And the best you can do is slow that progression down. And we think of being healthy as being pain-free, symptom-free, disease-free, which I equate to having $0 in your bank account, not a 401k and wealth (laughs) and, you know, properties and sources of retirement income and passive income. No, we have a tendency to think of health as just not disease. And so therefore you're healthy. And that's that thing where most people, we have to do, when they come to me to work with them, we do a certain amount of work in the beginning three to six months, just to even get them to the place where they can start to realize what we're really dealing with because that's peeling away all of those other layers of like, I didn't even know that was a problem for me until it went away. I've heard that so many times. They're like, I forgot, except now it's gone and it was gone for three months. And then it came back for a little while. And I was like, oh my God, I used to deal with these headaches all the time. And I just, they just, it becomes normalized. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that I think people just stop paying attention to you use the term, the water we swim in, which reminds me of, there was a brilliant talk by somebody and I'll include it in the show notes. Cause I don't remember who it is off the top of my head, but in it, it, um, was two like fish that were swimming. And one of them said, Oh, you know, the water sure nice today. And so the other fish was like, what's water? Like they're just yep. in it. So they just see it all the time. So they're blind to it. And you know, the whole point of that conversation is like, this is water. Like everything is, is the water. Right. So for us, it's like, then is everything is in a way health or lack thereof. And I think people do just get used to that pain without ever asking themselves, you know, does my back hurt? Does my stomach hurt? Does, am I having difficulty concentrating? Cause I'm getting these migraines, you know, whatever it is, obviously people who deal with chronic illness are aware of their illnesses, you know, that have diagnoses. But I think it's, I think it's really cool. Something that's been eye-opening about being a part of this podcast to me has been seeing exactly what you just said, like that health isn't a lack of disease. It's like, there is that next level. And as people are kind of searching for that, I know you kind of talk about there being four phases of healing. So what, can we talk a little bit about those phases and, and what that looks like at a, at a practical level as people pursue healing? Yeah, totally. So this was taught to me directly by Dr. Tom, but Dr. Tom comes from a philosophy of naturopathic medicine that can kind of be summed up as vitalistic. And there actually is an association now of doctors committed to this philosophy. And I'm going to get the association name wrong, but we'll put it correctly. It's the Naturopathic Medical Institute, I'm pretty sure. And there's a really awesome creation that they have where they actually interview doctors on a weekly basis called the vitalist conversation. And some of our original philosophers who were medical doctors, ironically, who created naturopathic medicine in the beginning, were all in this world of vitalism. And vitalism is that there's an inherent intrinsic ingrained ability for the body to heal itself if you put it in the right circumstances. So the whole process of naturopathic healing from mine is looking at the laws of nature, what happens in nature, how does an ecosystem right itself, how would a river correct pollution, how does a forest that's been cut down regrow itself and utilize those laws of nature of restoration and healing in the work of medicine. And out of that came a lot of observations, both in nature, but then also of humans of, of in clinical practice. And then these doctors back 250 to 200 years ago 
would write down their observations and started to create this framework that interestingly enough still holds remarkably true today. Turns out science and medicine have evolved. The human body itself hasn't changed that much in the last 500 years. So we get to work with some really awesome principles. And the way this gets broken down is these four phases of healing. And what I'm gonna actually start with is the part that I usually don't shout from the rooftops, which is the whole progression takes seven years. And for a lot of people, it's like, you just said, what? Like, this is going to take me seven years. But if you really yeah. look at, and I'm mostly talking about chronic illness, which that's like, we can differentiate chronic from acute. And it's really simple. Acute illnesses come on suddenly, you get really sick and they go away completely. And if they don't, they become a chronic illness. So in, in, in acute illness, either you get stronger or you die. And so things know, like the flu, yeah. like the flu, flu colds, fevers, scarlet fever, a lot of childhood illnesses, <laughs> coronavirus, right. Would all fall in the world of an acute illness. And before the last hundred years of conventional medicine intervening 150, mostly that was our only option was survive it or die. And there were a few interventions. I mean, medicine's been around longer than that from a, from the Western standpoint. Now in the world of shamanism, healers, we've been using herbs and medical practitioner or medical practices for thousands of years. As long as human beings had language and spirituality, there's been medicine and there's been healing, but in the more conventional sense of it in the last like 150 years, these interventions would happen. Some of them were kind of helpful. Some of them were like taking mercury pills and bloodletting, which turns out we found out were not so helpful. And, you know, it really was either the fever killed you or you survived. And, and what we yeah. now know with immunology is you survived and you were healthier. But there's a loophole that when we started to introduce some of these interventions and we could prevent death, we prolonged the illness. And chronic illness kind of is birthed out of that space. Now I'm a little bit simplifying it. There are other factors in terms of our lifestyle and, and pollution and environmental pollution, which, you know, in the 1880s was like coal dust and people having lung issues and consumption and atelectasia that would get into their bodies because of it, you know, that was all valid. And in these four phases of healing, mostly I'm talking about people who've dealt with chronic illness. What does it take to reverse and, and restore the body back to full optimal health and functioning? So phase one is about two years and for most people, and, and not everybody that shows up at my doorstep is at the beginning. Some people are already on their way down the journey. They've been working on these things before they come to me. So they might be well into phase one. Occasionally I get somebody who's in phase two, although that's less, less common because it's just not something culturally we really are at work on. But phase one is what we call treating the lesional disease. And the lesional disease is like the thing you're dealing with, the pain, the rash, the stomach issue, the headaches, the fatigue, the, the diabetes, the hardening of arteries. It's the things that are happening that are pathological changes in your body. If your body doesn't look the way it would normally and healthfully, it's got a lesion, it's got an issue. And it takes about two years to reverse those lesional issues, to get mm -hmm. the damage done to, to reverse itself, get back to more or less when people are at the end of phase one, here's the kicker. They often are nearly symptom-free. So hmm. if there's no pain and there's no issue, then in our culture, what do we think? That there's no, no, that you're I'm done. good, you're healthy. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. 
But what we haven't been doing, and you can actually see this in cancer treatment, is many, pretty much primary cause, the main cause of secondary cancer, like having cancer again another time, is the treatment from the first cancer. So having cancer is the number one risk to have cancer again. <laughs> now, if we go back to our acute illness that we either die or we're stronger, well, then clearly there's something about our medical interventions that's not working because we're not leaving people stronger and healthier after the end of the treatment of cancer. And what we've actually done is put a lot of toxicity into their body. And I'm not recommending that you don't do chemo. It's just facing the facts that chemotherapy and radiation can put a lot of toxicity into the body that never gets dealt with on the other side properly. And it decreases gut functioning, it decreases immune system functioning, and it overloads the liver. Well, the three key areas that are the setup for cancer are poor microbiome, gut health, poor immune system, and an overwhelmed toxic liver. So you've just left the patient in the exact same conditions that is what were the risk factors for cancer in the first place. Yeah. So phase one takes you through the process of healing the liver and healing the kidneys and reversing a lot of those lesional illnesses. And, and not everybody's all the way symptom-free, but a lot of the way too. And where mm -hmm. they end up is in this interesting space. And this is how I know when somebody's transitioning from phase one to phase two, where in phase two, people start getting into thoughts like, okay, well, I have to eat this way and I have to live this way, but like, maybe I need to live somewhere else. Maybe I actually would be healthier at the ocean or I've had this career this whole time, but I'm really starting to recognize the impact of working the way I've been working on my health. I've done all this work. I've made all this, this like serious progress. So now I don't want to reverse it. I don't want to go backwards. So they start asking questions about their lifestyle. And where they live, two. that's phase two. And I know they're transitioning when these questions mm -hmm. start popping up in the conversation. So it sounds to me like if we want to like keep it back to that analogy of like money, which is super works for me. And I wonder if it'll work for other people too. So it sounds like phase one is getting out of debt and yep. phase two is starting to think about how to add to your health savings. And I would even say phase two is more like, oh shit, I need an income. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even gotten to like the actual ability to like, like save money. And then, you know, we could, if we're going to run with this, we'll go to like wealth generation. So that's really good. I would really say it's like, <laughs> oh, oh crap. Like I need, yeah, we're really at zero. Like, okay. I, I, I survived and scrambled and hustled to get out of debt and I'm out of debt, but like, I would just have to keep surviving and scrambling and surviving and scrambling and surviving and scrambling. I don't want to live that way. I need a well, solid I've done that with actual debt, you know, like I've paid off a credit card and then it's been like, okay, how do I save? So I don't get back in debt. And I know I'm at a fork in the road where either I'm, I'm at zero, the, the slate's been cleared and either I'm going to go back in debt yeah. or I'm going to find a way to move forward Yeah, and, and, you know, be better with my money. So in this case, like that makes a lot of sense about like, okay, I, you know, I've dealt with the issue. And so now how do I make sure I don't slip back into that issue? How do exactly. I, how do I progress in the right direction? Exactly. And that's what we call treating the terrain. And the terrain is like the dirt in your garden. You know, this is also another analogy is like you're growing tomato plants and they get bugs and you pick all the bugs off and then they get bugs again and you pick all the bugs off and they get bugs again and you spray them, but they get bugs again. And at some point, any gardener will tell you fix the damn soil and you won't keep having this problem. Mm -hmm. or the environment around the tomato plant, plant marigolds and make sure it's got other species around it to balance everything out. 
So that's what phase two is about is treating the terrain. How, why did this person have cancer in the first place? What were the conditions that set up that as a possibility? And what do we want to deal with in those conditions? A lot of it has to do with lifestyle choices, you know, um, being overly driven in our careers or working or, or sacrificing our dreams. This comes up in thyroid conditions a lot. Thyroid conditions have got a very strong relationship to speaking our truth. I mean, the thyroid sits right over our voice box and it's sort of the conduit from our heart's desire coming through our lungs, getting expressed out of our mouth. And it's a very common emotional theme for people who struggle with having a healthy thyroid is are they truly fulfilling on what matters to them? Or are they, did they become a lawyer because their dad and their mom wanted them to become a lawyer and they really wanted to be a doctor or they really wanted to have a nonprofit or you know, be doing something else entirely or they just wanna make a bunch of money in real estate and not work so hard, right? Like whatever, not that real estate isn't hard. That's not what I meant, but you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> all of that world of that right, person, right. You know, what, what is their true heart's desire? What lights them up? Those are, those are phase two questions. Now that can be done with therapy. That can be done with um, biofeedback. That can be done with transformational education. That can be done with a coach. There's an element though, that you have to generate new awareness. This is different than detoxing and people who get stuck in the detox retox loop. They're like, I just detox every year. And it's fine. like, that's all phase one stuff. It's useful when you're in phase one, but if you're not in phase one anymore, this is the other way I know people are in phase two. They come to me and they're like, oh, I used to do this detox every year and it made this huge difference. And then the last three times I've done it, I don't feel any different. Yeah. Or I used to do this action and it always made a difference for me. And now I can do it and do it and do it. And I'm gaining weight, not losing weight. I know that they're in it. It's, we got to look at it from a different angle. There's a different question. The detox is done. Yeah. How do we do yeah. the next step? Yeah. It's, we got to get to a deeper root cause. Yeah. So that's what phase two is really about. And that also takes about two years most of the time for most people of committed action. Now, what I use actually practically is a system of medicine called biotherapeutic drainage, which I'm going to not go into great detail in this moment. If we have time on the podcast, I can go into it more later because I want to stay on this track. But basically biotherapeutic drainage is a system of homeopathy, low dose herbs and nutrition therapy to first treat the lesional disease. It can actually work this problem on several layers all the way through the four phases of health, depending on how you apply the medicine. In the beginning, I apply it in a way that's very much about helping somebody feel better and alleviate the sources of pain so that they get enough energy or pain or suffering. So they get enough energy and vitality to be able to start working out the problem at a bigger level. Then we can transition into terrain and terrain starts to become about things like long-term propensities in your life and places that people quote self-sabotage, or they know that they end up in these like cyclical patterns in their life physically and emotionally. And you can actually use homeopathy and herbal therapies to help open that up. But the root of it is because it generates self-awareness. I call it transformation in a bottle. And I've done transformational coaching programs. And I also utilize transformational therapies. Flower essences are super powerful mm -hmm. for this. Essential oils can be applied in a way that either palliates disease and just helps you feel better, or it can be applied in a way that cures and gets yeah. into this rewiring of the terrain. Essential oils are really interesting because they actually impact cell signaling because they can insert themselves into the cell membrane. And we've now discovered the cell membrane is the brain of the cell. And that's what tells the cell what to make 
with the DNA in the nucleus. The DNA doesn't that's make so the decision, the cell membrane does. So anything that can start to impact, and that's one of the tricks to doing this deeper healing is mostly pharmaceuticals won't do it. Just because they're not designed that way, they don't impact cell signaling in that same way. And inherent in most pharmaceuticals is they're inherently toxic. Now they may be life saving, which when yeah. you are in phase one and you need your life saved, use them. Right. But they're, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And there are things like LDN, low dose naltrexone. There are actually some oncologists that are using low dose chemotherapy to mitigate some of these same kinds of impacts and effects. And so there are people that are actually investigating using pharmaceuticals in a different way. And my theory is any modality can be utilized in a way to create biotherapeutic drainage if you use it right. Or it can be used in a way to suppress illness if you use it that way. And it just depends on the perspective. And that would be like me getting into teaching and training other practitioners how to go about figuring out, am I applying this therapy in a suppressive way or am I applying this therapy in a curative way? Because it's not really the therapy. It's how it's being applied. Yeah. And so that's part of phase two still, or that's in yep. phase three. That's all phase two stuff. Is that treating the train? What's the root cause? What's the environment? What are the lifestyle right. components? Like what are the patterns that somebody's had throughout their entire life? You know, I've shared about this in other podcasts, but I have dealt with asthma as a child, constipation, migraine headaches, and seasonal affective disorder. Well, if you peel those apart, asthma's constriction of the lungs constipation is constriction of the large intestine, migraines are constriction of the vascular system in the brain, and depression is a constriction at the level of emotions. So the lifelong pattern that had to be treated when I went through phase two was this tendency to clamp down, hold on, and keep toxicity inside my body. That would be a phase two thing to be at work on. And to acknowledge that transformation is needed. Yeah. Yep. And so then what happens in phase three? <laughs> Magic. This is like, <laughs> this is the part that goes a little beyond what a lot of people can even really wrap their heads around that's possible in, in healing and medicine. But the system I'm taught in biotherapeutic drainage, we have something called the brain protocol that utilizes these same homeopathic and herbal remedies, but again, applied in a particular fashion that it actually supports somebody to go back through systematically all of the spaces of development from conception till their current age. And anything that was incomplete, didn't actually develop correctly the way it was supposed to the first time can come to the surface to be completed. You can't change your wow. genetics. You can't yeah. get rid of the script and put a new one in, but you can write on top of it and you can alter gene expression in the brain protocol. Now there are also other modalities that get to Crazy. this kind of rewiring at a deep level. One of which I've shared about on the podcast, which is psychedelic medicine and shamanic plant therapies. Anything that's going to get to the level of altering somebody's permanent view of life, themselves and others will ultimately do work in phase three. This is what would be talked about in therapy is like really deep yeah. trauma work. And Gaber Mate is one of the leading experts in trauma and healing trauma. 
He also discovered that a really effective, safe way to do that with the right trained people is shamanic. But sound bowl therapy at the right time in life, when you're ready for it, could do this. That's the thing about the modality and the application and when it's applied. Deep yoga practices, meditation practices, when you really are starting to get into the depths of those chronic conversations we have. And what happens in in like meditation sessions and retreats, people who like go live in an ashram for three months, they will sometimes leave with a different physical, the things about their physical body alter while they're there. And we have a tendency to think of that as, radical, crazy, miracle (laughs) healing kind of things. But actually, if you could interview a a person and find out what else they'd been doing before they went and all the other things, you'd find out it's not that radical. They just happen to be in phase three of their healing journey. And so it looks like a miracle. And maybe it is Dr. Larry Farwell would tell us, you know, like, how do we define miracles? But phase three is really about altering your epigenetics. It sounds like Denise is a good example of that, like yeah. how yoga brought her to healing through the trauma of like incest and sexual abuse. Yeah. And that through that, you know, trauma work, she was able to kind of overcome the way that was manifesting for her. Yeah. And is that, so in this space, we're talking about trauma work. Is that where who might be able to address even things like generational trauma that the body stores? Really good. I'm so glad you brought that up because This is one of those, I choose to stand here. There's a Native American concept that sounds like a terrible way to put this philosophy, ideal practice of knowing that when you heal at the deepest level, you heal seven generations behind you and seven generations in front of you. And that gets a little interesting when you really deal with what we've learned from quantum mechanics and that time isn't actually linear. We've chosen as human beings to create language that gives us the experience of time being with a before and an after. But when you deal with literally the rigorous mathematics of quantum mechanics, you actually can't have time be linear. It doesn't work. We've discovered that time is a possibility. It's everywhere and we can actually Mm -hmm. jump around in time. And so we will never know for real, for (laughs) sure. But there is an idea that you can actually do healing work that's not just for you, but healing your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and it goes back many generations. And then it also alters things forward. And this has started to come to light more in the science of epigenetics, where we'll see genetic traits passed through multiple generations. And another way of saying this from a therapy world would be inherited conversations. And we actually have a hard time telling the difference between Well, is what got passed on a trait of a way of doing something that then created the physical outcome or is what got passed on literally a genetic issue that was in the DNA? Right. And honestly, it's like that nature versus nurture thing. We can't totally tell the difference between the two. It's sort of a lens. We can look through it from nature and we can look through it from nurture, but the best the scientist can say is yes. The answer is yes. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I, the, that concept to me, like you said, a lot of people act like, like this is maybe a little bit more radical, this whole idea of like healing trauma to heal your body, but it resonates so strongly for me because like you said, I mean, it's just to bring things kind of full circle, like even with depression being a constriction of the emotion and that tying into all these other versions of constriction, our bodies are very like intelligent and like learn from what we teach them. 
And I always think about that quote, like you have to teach people how to treat you. And then I think about the fact that you say that we should interact with our body like we have a relationship with it, like it's a family member. And so if we if we think of it that way, like we are teaching our body how to treat us by what we put into it, how we talk to it, what we do with it. And, and so it only makes sense that like the way you'd be raised or the genetics that you were inherited physically would have an effect on that. And that by addressing those things, you can start to teach your body to do something different, to behave differently, interact with you differently. Wild. 100%. You know, and this is the challenge we're kind of running into. I am all for the functional medicine movement. It's bringing a whole bunch of really powerful concepts to the forefront in mainstream culture. And it's going to make a really big difference for a lot of people's healing journey. A significant number of people who come to me and kind of in the world of like an ideal client for me is actually someone that spent some time in functional medicine and they've been on this journey and they've tried working on their diets and they've done a lot of work on the microbiome or they've at least addressed it. I actually have a client very similar to this. She's genius, super smart woman dealing with a lot of chronic inflammation, a lot of chronic pain, goes to the medical doctor, doesn't have any particular official diagnosis, but she's definitely not, you know, and, and she literally had heard, well, of course you're tired. You're the mother of three children. And like, that was the end of the investigation. Yeah. Yep. That's a whole thing, but (laughs) she researched and she is all, I mean, she, there's stuff she brings to me that I got to look that up. Like, I mean, she's all over it and yet she's only been able to take herself so far. And it's because we're sort of, she's been in this carousel round Robin in phase one and, and the microbiome is critical and there are it's not even that it isn't, it's like, but there's phase two and phase three conversations to have with your microbiome, not just nuke it with, you know, antimicrobial herbs and take all of the caprylic acid and coconut oil until you're blue in the face in order to reset things. That's a component. And again, how, you know, you need to be having a different conversation is when, oh, the first time I did a candida cleanse, I felt amazing. And my headaches went away and all my pain went away. And the third time I did a candida cleanse, nothing happened is because got to move on. There's a deeper level to get to. And so a lot, not all, but a lot of functional medicine is amazing. And it's still phase one. Yep. And you got to get to these other components to get into these other layers. And the, if there's a summary statement for all of this, it's generating awareness, Mm -hmm. anything that's going to have you generate new awareness, self awareness, self-perspective. Now, some of that is at the subconscious and underconscious and unconscious levels. That's hard stuff to get access to without some really specific tools and trained people to help you get there. But that's one of the things that I love about using homeopathy and, and herbal medicine is the wisdom is in the plants. And I don't even have to necessarily have that yeah. mastered as the practitioner. I can utilize and trust the wisdom in the plants and the reprogramming that happens at that level. And in biotherapeutic drainage in particular, which is happens to be my special area of expertise in terms of a modality, you can literally use biotherapeutic drainage to do intercellular detox. Most detoxes are extracellular. It's cleaning out the space between the cells, which is super important to do, but 
you want to change gene expression, you want to change DNA transcription, you want to alter a long-term propensity in the body, you got to get inside the cell. And there's only so many things that will actually therapeutically get in there. And you can work it from the psychological, mental, emotional side, and you can work it from the physical side. And actually you can get access and people who get a little stuck in, they only want to work it from the psychological, emotional side. They're also a great fit for my practice because they're usually not super keen on wanting to change their diet or deal with an exercise routine or have the rigor and the discipline of the day-to-day activities to take care of this physical vessel we have called our body, but they've hit a plateau and they know they're stuck. They have anger issues and they can't seem to manage them. They know they deal with worry and they can't break through it. They've had anxiety for years and they can't get all the way to it being gone. They can manage their anxiety. They can manage their anger that often is someone that they need to spend more time on the physical body. They actually need to go to the other side of the fence. Many people have spent so much time on the physical side, just dealing with pharmaceuticals, drugs, supplements, herbs, detoxes, diets. They need to slowly start to move more towards some of those other mental, emotional sides. And that's where like these, this process is so great. So then begs the question I'm imagining is there for you is, okay, that's all great, Sarah. What the hell is phase four? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Let's round out that holistic approach with, with the final phase. So phase four essentially is the rest of life. Like here, we've already, we've corrected the lesional disease. We've treated and rebalanced the terrain, and we've gotten all the way down to complete the incompletions from our growth and development over the years, which that's got a whole pattern to it. The kidneys complete developed first, and then the GI tract at age four, kidneys at age two, the lungs at age um, seven, and the immune system into the endocrine system from age 11 to 13. There's like a whole process actually, and you can match it up with things and events that happen in people's lives in their childhood. And you've done that. And I've done this. I've gone all the way through this process. I did the brain protocol in 2013 to half of 2014. It took me 18 months, which is pretty standard, about 12 to 18 months, occasionally 24 months to complete the brain protocol. So it's another year to two years. And then phase four is this, like, I've discovered, I kind of had it like the holy grail, like I'm done. I should never have another problem. Yeah. And then wait, what the hell, Sarah, you've been sharing about having chronic fatigue syndrome, but you said you did the brain (laughs) protocol. How does that happen? And I would, for me would say, yes, there's actual still illness is possible. This isn't like a, you know, you'll never get sick. You'll never have a problem. My whole perspective though, like right now, my shoulder hurts. I've had this shoulder pain. It came up a couple other times before I haven't totally identified the conversation, but I didn't do anything distinct for my shoulder to hurt. And there's a rib and a vertebra that's just out. I went to sleep one night and I woke up with it out. In phase four, I'm crystal clear that was not a repetitive stress injury. I'm crystal clear that was not, I mean, if it had been a traumatic injury, fine, but it wasn't, that there's a conversation. There is something and it's right behind my heart And I'm going to put dimes to dollars as I do the work in there that has to do with deserving and love and connection and my romantic relationships. And so when you're in phase four, I still take my UNDA drops. I'm still on biotherapeutic drainage when I need to. I still take supplements as I need to. I still have to follow some diets. Like I'm not an infallible, but the, the perspective 
of where I'm coming from is in this whole world of self-actualization and am I living true to who I really am? And it's this like journey of, of self-expression. And, and it's just, awesome. and there are things I just don't deal with that I used to have. Right. They're, they're literally gone, disappeared off the map. And the speed at which I can heal significant things goes up because I have this in tune, in tunedness, this being connected to my body and my body's needs that, that it goes quickly. And the few times I've had stuff stick around for long periods of time, you know, is usually because I'm just resisting that conversation. Yeah. So does it feel fair to say then phase one is getting out of debt. Phase two is acknowledging you're at zero and you're either going to go back into debt or you're going to start moving forward. Phase three is learning how to make money, invest, save money. And then phase four is like where you just existingly have a healthy relationship with your, your health bank and can check your health bank without anxiety and know what to do if there's an issue. And I would definitely say it's wealth. It's building wealth. And it's that yeah. place when you talk to people who have wealth where they get to give it away. They, they're, they're health the game philanthropy. Is, yeah, it is. It's health. And, and it's the same thing happens is like, you know, some of my clients that have gone through a lot of this process, they really in years, five years, six years, seven, they start asking questions about who I, who am I as a contribution and how do I want to contribute to others? And what is my life for? And what is my purpose? Those, those come up earlier in the journey. Mm -hmm. They sometimes even show up inside of phase two. They definitely get dealt with in phase three, where in phase two, you may think your purpose, what, like I, I, for me to put it on the map, I would have said in phase two of my healing process, my purpose was to go create a seven figure online education system that is going to, you know, transform the health of the entire planet. And in fact, I did say that yep. for years. What I got after phase three and living in phase four was the inauthenticity of that dream, that that dream was built inside of compensating for how I didn't think I was good enough in the world. And if I made a big enough impact and I helped enough people, I could prove my own goodness, but it was built on trauma. Yeah. So it was undoing, unlearning, relearning. Yeah. Redefining for yourself, yeah. everything. And then that like, you know, and I bet we could even talk to some of the greats in shamanism or anything. And they'd be like, and then there's phase five and six and seven, <laughs> but this was the model that I was given. Yep. And it's, it's a pretty hefty one, even in of itself to say, Hey, Sarah, I, you know, I think I'm in perimenopause. Can you help me with adjusting my hormones? And I'm like, yes. And I have a seven year plan for you to spiritual yeah. evolution. <laughs> like I don't start the conversation there and, right. it, and they don't have to hire me for the whole thing, but I realized how little I was sharing that I even have that as an option, right. People to even know that that could be something we could do together. And it may not even be that I take them through all the phases, but just even being able to create that some people leave and come back, you know, or I'm only really their catalyst for a certain particular part of the journey. Like I'm good with all of that, but I want yeah. people to be aware of thinking this way. So let's say somebody wants to take that step. I mean, they've been listening to the podcast. They recognize that they either have a chronic illness that they want to seek healing for, or they just want to learn how to invest and become a health philanthropist and, you know, get out of debt and then build their health wealth. How do those people, like, what's the next step? Like if they want to work with you, I know you have some spots available right now. Yeah. 
like, what does that look like? How do you uh, go about finding the right client? How do you know if someone's going to be a good client for you or patient for you? I'm not sure the verbiage you use. I use How do they approach you about, about working with you? What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, logistically go to the website and schedule a free 30 minute connect with Sarah Marshall phone call, because I want to know you. And that's one of those things that like in the biz, because I've also spent 10 years in business programs, business coaching programs. I've hired individual coaches, executive coaches, all that. And, you know, there's like, oh, if you give away too much for free, da, 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 da. I'm the other way. I'm like, look, I want to actually put the time in to make sure that I, because I'm, I don't know, I think kind of an odd duckling. I'm not your average everyday doctor, like, you know, and so I want to make sure that, that it is a good match for what people are looking for. And they don't have to necessarily say, I want to go all the way. This is, although that would be actually great to have people that are really interested in the spiritual, their own spiritual practice and evolution as a part of their healing journey. That would be a really whopping good fit for me. But like that, it looks like that we get on a phone call and just start at, you know, what are you dealing with and where do you want to go with this? And that's a question, you know, and then on my intake forms, you know, and so the next step I do is a pretty comprehensive health assessment that is actually three 90 minute sessions over the course of three weeks or four weeks. And I used to just do the like in and out 90 minute, get it all done, then give you your treatment plan and go. And it's like, no, with the kind of work I want to do with people, we got to slow down and take some time to really get enough information and let them share their story. And some of the stuff people come to me, they've been dealing with, maybe it's a more recent crisis, but when we look back, they've had elements of this theme in their life for decades. And so I want them to also have the freedom to not feel like they have to summarize their life in 20 minutes in order for me to spit out a protocol. So that's then what that, and usually by the time someone's gone through that process and they've done those three 90 minute sessions with me, and we've done deep dive energetic assessment, in addition to the medical assessment, and I give them like, okay, here's what I really see. This is my roadmap for you based on the goals you've outlined of what you want for yourself in your life. And one of the questions in my initial intake is if you imagine yourself a year from now, looking back over everything you've accomplished, what would be the ultimate breakthrough results you produced in the last 12 months? I want them to put themselves into that fulfilled future and look back and share with me what that dream would be. And then I'm going to shape their treatment plan and our work together inside that goal. Not just, I have fibromyalgia. The doctors say I need to manage my pain. Sure. But like, why? When you're pain-free, what do you want your body to do for you? Right. What does that look like for you? What are the things you want to do with a a pain-free body? And most of the time people then get into fulfillment conversations about their relationships, their marriages, their kids, their community, the difference they want to make or elevating their careers or getting out of and changing a career. Like it's, those are the things that really, I mean, I've done whole talks on why health and actually have people ask the question like, well, I got it, but like, I'm not kidding. Why do you want to be healthy? What are you going to do with it when you have it? Which is a question a lot of financial advisors ask, why do you want to be wealthy? What is actually, what does success mean to you? Any good business coach is going to ask you that. And so from my right. perspective, any good health coach slash, you know, 
medical intuitive naturopathic physician is going to say, you know, what are you going to do with all the health we're going to create? What is that going to serve? Because that gives me a lot of information. So then that ideal person for me is someone who knows they've got to take care of their physical body. They really are dealing with physical illness, medical illness kind of issues. They may or may not be diagnosable depending on what stage they are. That's fine. But they're dealing with real physical stuff. They maybe even have been told it's all in their head and they have a deep intuitive gut sense. They know that's not the case. That's a great match for me. And also that they are interested in this space between that they know they've got to take care of their physical body in a particular way, but they also have an innate intuitive sense that they know that there's some emotional stuff involved or they can see and they're interested in spiritual development. And something else I haven't talked a lot about is all the training I've done around being a medical intuitive. And there are people who they consider themselves sensitive. There's even a term out there being a high sensitive that that's a really tough way to be in the world, especially in today's world that you just get so bombarded and inundated between social media and the demands that we have in our careers. And if you're a business owner, forget about it, that you're supposed to be available to your clients 24 seven and people who are high sensitives actually tend to end up with physical illnesses at some point in their life, because they've just been trying to manage all of this energy running through them all the time. And they don't know how to have good, healthy boundaries. So either they have to throw their walls up and isolate, but then they're lonely and they don't have the relationships they want, or they let their walls down and they feel like a doormat getting used up by the world. And there's physical consequences to that, hormonal consequences, immune system consequences. I see gut dysbiosis. Gut stuff is very much related to energetic boundaries. So a lot of people that deal with a lot of gut stuff, I already know it's likely they've got sort of a more intuitive psychic component to their personality and that, that teaching and training them how to navigate that energy space. I had to. And I had teachers who gave me those tools. And so those are things that get to get worked into our work together. And yes, I'm still going to say you got to eat protein and drink water and all the stuff that we did in episode 13 in season three about the basics of health. But those are all actions that start to give us the tools to open up that self-awareness piece. That's awesome. And, and so it seems like I, I thought about this again. You said this once when at, probably in the very beginning of the podcast a long time ago, but that finding a doctor is like dating. Like it's not just people often treat finding a healthcare provider like they can just Google it and pick whoever pops up first that their insurance takes, you know, and that's I've been guilty of doing that in the past, but really, truly, there is like a right fit. And so it's, you know, it sounds like you have a pretty clear idea of of what your ideal client is and of who you'd be an ideal doctor for. And it just sounds like it's, you know, to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I'm hearing it, it's somebody who's really ready to be committed to their health. That's not experiencing a ton of commitment from anyone else on their journey with them. And they're looking for someone to shepherd them on that journey to health. For sure. And this is going to sort of sound obvious but actually people listening, this is a big question. Are you willing to heal? Mm -hmm. They got to be willing to heal. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because like, there's a lot of people that like, they want their symptoms to go away, but then are you willing to heal is like, 
I gotta think about that. You know, I have to think about that in my own shit. So that's another piece too. And they don't have to know how they don't have to like have it all sorted at all. And, and it might even be like, man, I don't know if I could answer these questions straight, but in your heart and in your gut, in your intuition, you're like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, I, this is, yes, this is the right fit for me, but I have, you know, and we have our own track records of breaking our words to ourselves. Like, I don't trust that I'm going to do the work. I mean, I have a question on my questionnaire that says, you know, what are the obstacles to this path for you and what's gotten in your way before? And people are so hard on themselves and it's often discipline, willpower. I'm not going to stick with it. I don't trust myself, which I understand that, but that's that piece of look, you're the mother of three. You've worked incredibly high level jobs. You have X, Y, and Z in your education. You've been a go-getter. Lazy is not the word. We're just being hard on ourselves. Consider (laughs) what's needed is compassion and partnership. Right. And that's a lot of what I offer is I'm not protocol oriented. I'm not going to just read your labs and then hand you a supplement protocol for six months and say, call me, you know, when you need refills. And there are doctors that are pretty effective at doing that. And that's its own path. And they, like, I literally recently revisited a conversation about oncologist, naturopathic, I don't know what he calls himself, an integrative oncologist. And I mean, literally he screens all of his patients to be crystal clear that they're going to be doing two to three home remedies a day, taking 200 capsules a day. They're going to be on this protocol. They got to be hundred percent committed to changing their diet and juicing and coffee enemas and yeah. home therapies and all of this before they even walk in the door. And he does a 90 minute session with them and he lays out an entire diet change, all the supplement regimens, everything. He records it so that you can go home and listen to it nine times. And then his whole fee is wrapped up in that one session. And then you come back and see him in three months to get adjustments to your protocol. Now, I actually yeah. want to go learn from this guy. I actually yeah, want to like cool. learn more about what that is, but you know, that's a little different than my approach, which practically looks like after they do the health assessment for the first year, we're going to talk every two weeks and to have an yeah. hour with me every 14 days for the first year. And what I've really discovered is, cause that's how you get fast results. You just have to, I mean, if you went to a physical trainer and he said, no, you can have a beach body and just go to the gym once every six weeks. Yeah. We don't know, know he's full of it. True. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it's the same yep. thing. I've really found the sweet spot for many different reasons is when I talk to my clients once every 14 days, one, the week I'm talking to them, they tend to be on top of their game because they know they're talking to Dr. Marshall And then the week after it hasn't worn off yet. And then they know they're talking to me again in another week. And so, you know, it really has worked well. And when I've tried to space that out to monthly sessions early in phase one, it doesn't go super well. Sometimes someone comes to me and they're pretty well through phase one. They've already seen other practitioners. They've done a lot of work. We may then make adjustments because that, that can be a different deal. But when someone's in the beginning stages and they're working through that lesional disease and they've got a lot of moving parts, you know, and a lot of people it's weight loss and it's pain and it's fatigue Mm -hmm. and it's high cholesterol and it's high blood pressure. And it's whatever the actual originating issues are on top of that. Yeah. That's we're talking every two weeks minimum. And you've got, you know, text message assignments and regular check-ins because it's just what works. And then we do, I do supplement protocols about once a month 
the first three months of working with me is a lot of lifestyle stuff. Cause I want to lay a good foundation around diet and sleep and drinking water. People got to get out of debt. You got to get out of debt. Right. <laughs> and that piece though, I'm mm-hmm. there with them because those are some of the, you know, and then it's not going to be all handled in those first three months, but there's a good mm-hmm. foundation laid down. And then I like to add things slowly. So it also doesn't end up being like, oh my God, I have to do these 10 things every single day. Like, you know, but in the end, not even the end, three, four months in my clients are going, oh my gosh, I have to spend an extra hour a day to take care of my health. And at one level, I get that that could seem daunting to carve out. But if you really look at like, we're reversing illness and it's only going to take an hour a day. Yeah. Are you willing to heal? Are you willing to put in that time? Are you willing to put in that effort so that you can achieve whatever your goals were mm-hmm. about why you want to heal the body? Yeah. That's the exchange. Well, Sarah, we're coming up on our, so we're somewhere around an hour. Yeah. I think right we now. Did it. I, I don't know exactly when we started. We're a little before or after. Is there anything else you want to add to this one to talk about people before we go on our little break? I just um, appreciate all the listeners. And I mean, I'm really, honored and in awe to be coming to the close of another season five. And it's just been an amazing journey for me. I mean, this is in my world of self-expression and self-actualization is the production of this podcast and having it out in the world and getting to support others in having what they know and their knowledge and their journeys be shared. And so I'm just super honored my practice is open. Even sometimes I have a wait list, but just, con- just, just contact me anyways. I, if, if it's meant to be, it'll be, it just always works out. And sometimes oh, like yeah. I have a cancellation and then something opens up. And so, you know, don't hesitate if it speaks to you and, you know, share this with your friends and family that you think that this conversation would make a difference. That's where I'm standing is I want people to know what's possible. I want them to know they don't have to stay stuck And there are still doctors that will say things to people like, you're never going to get better. You're just going to have to put up with this. I don't have anything else to offer you. And I get that that's true for them, but it's not true for all practitioners. So go find somebody that if you're not getting your goals fulfilled on, and you know, in your heart, there's more you want to do around healing what you're dealing with. Don't give up till you find someone. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it's been a beautiful season. What a good cap on season five. And, you know, we'll be back in 2022 with season ah, six. That's awesome. <laughs> and, but, you know, keep on chasing towards a hundred episodes. That's right. Till we do it again. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you to today's guest, our fantastic host, Dr. Sarah Marshall, who continually shares her wisdom and insight with us. Thank you to Dr. Marshall for creating the space for healing and for coaching us all through that journey. A big thanks also to Roddy Nickpour, my dear friend and the composer of our podcast music. And as always, thank you, listener, for being here. Until next season.